What's poppin', what's poppin', what's poppin'? Welcome to Get Moose, I'm Nikki, that's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And on this episode, solopreneur versus entrepreneur. Solopreneur was looked at super negative. It was downplayed. You almost looked like the scum if you talked about solopreneur. But now, people are making millions. Which one is better? Uh, build it right instead of build it fast. We got more lessons from Netflix. You know we got to talk about it. The Shannon Sharp blueprint. How to go viral. I mean, out of here. And then question of the week. Rapid decision or group chat? Moose, <laughs> how do you feel about this episode? Hey, when there's options, there's opportunity. So that's what this is about. It's new options to essentially introduce y'all to some opportunity of how y'all can build it. So yeah, it's gonna be fun. Let's get it. Come on, I like how you said that. Let's get into this intro. Two kids from Queens, cut from a different cloth. Now joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never before seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force. But more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. And of course, this is powered by Ecamm Live, the number one all-in-one streaming platform that can not only do podcasting, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, all these other platforms, but it's great for presentations. It's great for meetings. It could do it all. And all you got to do is go to www.nickyandmoose.com slash Ecamm for your 14-day trial. Listen, listen. Moose, this is, this is kind of special. It's kind of special. Wait, I can't hear you. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, I, I, was, uh, I, was I was expecting a little something different. No, I said, yeah, no, I noticed that. I was expecting a little, uh, a little something different, but then I remembered our plan for, uh, for our Patreon peeps, right? Yeah, we live on Patreon. Hello. Yeah, we live on Patreon. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. But um, first, off, first and foremost, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling okay. good. I am. I'm proud of myself to have been the busiest that I've been in quite a long time. And uh, and no miss, no no miss prayers. No miss Very prayers. Good. Very good. You know what I'm saying? Like that to me. I was just literally sitting and reflecting on that. I'm like, okay, a lot of meetings, a lot of calls. But five daily prayers are still being completed. And I'm grateful for that. That actually, that for me actually is a big accomplishment. Yeah. I like that for you. I like that for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, How you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's raining huh? is crazy, but you know. Oh, bananas out here. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, so crazy. Let me, let me tell you about this thing that happened, right? I, uh, well, not that it happened, but I was watching um netflix again the other night and i came across this documentary called bit conned okay right i think i saw Bitcon. the the uh the banner or something yeah 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 it popped up on my 
you know, I guess call it homepage or whatnot. And essentially it was about the first Bitcoin company or the biggest, one of the biggest Bitcoin based companies that was a complete scam. And all along, there were essentially two main co-founders that brought on a third. They did some of the craziest things, right? They were so gifted and talented in terms of their ability to market, to obviously attract new investors and people to buy into the idea. They had people like Floyd Mayweather, DJ Khaled that endorsed the product. Like they came on and did videos and shared this idea out to their own platforms. They raised millions of dollars, Nick's. Mm. And then they show the backstory of the decline. What happens? First off, they had a fake CEO. They literally got a Google photo of a CEO, put it on their homepage. They had fake credentials like that. They said that they went to Harvard and all this stuff. The crazy thing to me, though, is how could you be so skilled to know that this is essentially the way to make your business attract top tier talent, to raise money, to get investors to buy into your idea and what you're doing? and not at any point make a legitimate effort to be legit. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that was my whole time. The whole time I'm watching, I'm like, yo, y'all are so talented. Like the, the main thing that everyone struggles with, whether it's communicating with confidence, pitching investors, getting people to buy in, marketing, all of it, you got it down packed. And the adjustments to just go legit and essentially stop lying are right there in front of you. Now, I know towards the end of the documentary, they said that they tried, mm -hmm. but um, you know, it was too late. Then the FTC got involved and you know, uh, they, they had to serve some time. The company got shut down. But honestly, it was just an important lesson that I know today's business landscape, entrepreneurship, branding, everything. There are so many shortcuts. There are so many ways for us to accelerate and jump to the top or do whatever the case maybe but just know that integrity is still undefeated like doing things the right way fulfilling on your promises taking care of people and of course it's sad when you hear that people who invested rarely any of them got their money back you know so that really? obviously is very unfortunate yeah yeah, yeah. Very, very few people i think they said they raised millions of dollars and i think they only had to pay back maybe two million dollars so in comparison to how much, you know, was, was raised, that's almost bare none, nothing. So, uh, you know, just a reminder to all the entrepreneurs out there, man, regardless of what it is. And I know people listening to this, uh, obviously that's not something that, you know, we worry about for them, but go hard at that. Like, don't think that that will ever go out of style or make, it will make it difficult for you to win. I don't believe that anymore at all. I actually believe that some of the most successful people, because remember, anyone can have success. Not anyone can have sustained success. Mm. And or that that's that's the name of the game, sustained success success. And you can't have that without operating in integrity. Okay, bars. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You got that? That's all that's what you got from Netflix. Sheesh. <laughs> 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 You're right. Um 
for me, uh, this is actually going to combine a little bit with the creator of the week, right? Uh, we've we've let this kind of go for a little bit. We didn't mention it right away. Uh, but what I've learned and creator of the week has to go to Shannon Sharp. Mm. Has to, okay? Um, I mean, by the time this is played, I'm going to say hitting well over 40, 50 mil off of the Cat Williams episode. Wow. And the the reason why I want to bring him up is because he is somebody to really pay attention to when we're talking about the content game, right? So I actually was on my live talking about this. And I was like, yo, I got to bring this to the podcast where I'm saying, you know, 40, 40 clips alone on YouTube about that episode. So meaning mm. he had a two, a, over a two hour episode with Cat Williams, right? Of course, how he broke it down, he knew what was going to to break the internet. He knew, he actually put a picture up that was like, get ready for this interview to break the internet. Paraphrasing, but he said something like that with him and wow. Cat Williams as a picture, right? And so he clipped certain parts that he knew was probably going to hit the blogs heavy. And boy, it did, okay? To wow. the point where everything that Cat Williams was saying was getting responded by the people he actually did call out or didn't call out, right? Shout out to Mike Epps. He was like, yo, I would just wish you would have mentioned my name, actually. That's um, funny. <laughs> and so it is, it, it's masterful to see because he was very intentional with what he clipped up, how many he clipped up. Like I said, he did 40 clips alone on YouTube. I believe he did, uh, over 16 to 20, probably a little bit over than that of social media clips, like the vertical ones, right? Because he knew the blogs were gonna take care of the rest and in which they did. But this is pretty much not the first time that he's done that. I think we brought it up uh, before when Jada Pinkett did her thing and he came out with an interview with Tommy Davidson, who I don't believe anybody was talking about at the time. And he was happened. He happened to talk about Jada Pinkett and Will Smith on the exact time that uh, that the Jada Pinkett stuff had blew up that, you know, when she dropped her book. So I got a clip because Shannon Sharp also. He what's cool is that from when I was introduced to him, he was on Undisputed. I think that was what the show was called. Right. Um, some drama happened over there. He left, went to first take with Stephen A. Smith. But I think that 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 drama caused him to control a lot of his content to where now he has a very successful podcast. He has. Uh, nightcap with Ocho yep. and he which is pretty much an, uh, a night show like a virtual night show and 
all we are seeing now is Shannon Sharp. You got to really respect what he is doing and how he is uh, creating range for his brand. So, of course, a lot of people were hating on him for the Cat Williams interview, which is wild. I can only congratulate him. But this is what he had to say to address the haters. There are people that that do what you and I do. Yeah. That had so much to say. And it's only because of jealousy. Because I guarantee you, if 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 Cat was on their podcast mm-hmm. and did exactly what he did on my podcast, right. they would have never said what they're saying. My subscribers on Club Shay Shay jumped up 500,000. Mm. That's what you mad about. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to leave it alone, Ocho. Yes, sir. Think about how much more success you could have if you got that envy, that jealousy, and that hate out your heart. Come on, man. Come on, preacher. Hey, look at this. I got this out the mud. I came from the trenches. Right. And you got more hate in your heart with all that you got, that you've been blessed with so much, and all you do is hate on a man that you think better. How about get better? Create better content. So it, it it's it's crazy because we can we can learn from from that too not necessarily from that clip I mean of course but more of how do you look at your content and how do you milk it to the full extent if he took 2 hours of a podcast and he created the 40 clips Right. And it's crazy if if uh, and shout out to Isaiah, who I know is going to put it on the screen where he had like Cat Williams talk about uh, Steve Harvey, Cedric, the entertainer, Kevin Hart. And he put that all in one clip and then he broke it down into when he spoke about each and every single one of them. So Cat Williams talk about Kevin Hart. Cat Williams talking about Cedric and Enchainer. Cat Williams talking about so-and-so. Like, he broke, he grouped them, and then he broke them down. Why? Because he knew not everybody was going to be watching a two-hour episode. Two hours is pretty long, especially with that type of energy. So let me get straight to the point. You want to know what's happening? Boom. Uh, He does this a lot with his podcast, but of, of course he didn't go so much uh, into how many clips before, except for this one, because he knew. And I look at that as we don't even do enough with our content. We drop it, and that's it, right? Or you look at uh, our content, you drop it once, and that's kind of it. And where you need to learn how to, and not not enough aggressive manner I'm saying that but I mean all of us have to learn how to take a long form video chop it up into smaller bits chop it up into YouTube clips chop it up into quotes do uh, audio clips we have to milk out as much as we can because we don't know in this day and age what's going to hit we can only hope and there is a certain formula as far as you know, the getting viral, but there still is that guessing game because of the algorithm, that guessing game because of when you post, uh, what time you're posting, that guessing game if you, uh, 
you know, you didn't put the right captions and everything. You could do everything right, understanding why people come into social media or watch YouTube. It's mainly to get entertained, educate, and inspire, inspire and empowered. You can add all of that into your content and it has the possibility of going. But sometimes we don't want to bank on it. We always have to have some type of backups. And that's why you need to milk certain things out. So for me, I was like, yo, that, that, now granted, I didn't watch the full episode, right? Mm. Um, I, I have to protect my energy. Like that's just some wild stuff going on. But yeah. I did do research as far as like trying to understand what happened and why is it going crazy the way it is. There, Cat Williams actually, because his name is so trending right now, he jumped on another podcast that did a, a million in a couple of hours. Wow. Yeah, it's it's just it's just crazy. Now, the the funny thing is, uh, I think Shannon Sharp was asked like, "Yo, how how do you beat that?" So now the 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 conversation for most is like, when you reach a so like such a successful piece of content, your viral moment, is there pressure? to keep that up and he he was like to be honest like the only way this is going to work if you know jordan comes on if lebron comes on like just people who don't normally talk and they come and they actually have a story he he mentioned which was cool um he mentioned that the comedians do so well because of i know how to tell a story. I know how to entertain, get you wrapped in, give you all the information that you need to know, right? Yeah. Um give you that warm feeling, that funny feeling. He they get they give all the elements. And so the he doesn't look like there's you know the pressure is weighing him as far as oh how do I beat that or what do I do? But I I do believe like an, a uh, a normal person would have that anxiety of like 100 percent. yeah i mean so yeah, yeah yeah did you watch it same thing you did just the clips that are going around and listening and got a pretty good gist of you know what what essentially the full thing is um but no not the full thing just little clips yeah no i can i, I can shout out to cat williams but that, that energy I don't, I don't know but the the if you pay attention, go back. I said it's been a week or two since since the podcast, that podcast, that interview dropped. Um, so go back, see it. I mean, they've created memes, they've created clips, they created pictures, they created so many different things. Yeah. It's more of just looking at it, not only from an entertainment side, but more from a how do I say it? A uh a lesson education. side as well. Yeah, from yeah. an education side. Because there, there's something. He's creating his own blueprint. How he, how he, for one, we don't even consider that as a podcast. Like his, his production is just so amazing. That I, it probably is a podcast, but I, I don't think anybody truly considers it 
as a podcast because we'll go to YouTube or we'll watch the clips uh, of what's happening. So I think I think it's I think it's something we need to pay attention to. I'm just saying. I'm gonna pay attention to. This is me. Big facts. Yeah, this, this is me. Um, I do have a question for you, though. I yeah. do have a question. Because I, I just mentioned it, like, we don't consider that a podcast. Do you feel that podcasts are dying? Mm. It's an interesting conversation. Okay. Um, just because the I feel the dynamic of content in 2024 is going to change a little bit. I think it's going to go back into uh, at least I don't actually let me take that back. I don't know where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not like uh, uh, seasoned enough or, or, or really deep on content like that to know where it's going to go. But what I'm sensing is there's a there's a retro throwback feel coming. So like I'm seeing pictures and long captions again. Mm. Right. So like there's a little bit of shift happening. And I think with that, yeah their uh, podcasts are definitely not as popular as they were in 2020. I think now you're really starting to see people run with it and others just get lost in the sauce or essentially just disappear away. But for some reason, I feel audio is gonna uh, still be the most convenient, right? Like for me, and I'm, and, and I'm, I have been so adamant about reading because of the, the the discipline that you develop to sit down and focus and all that. But quite honestly, I have not read a book in probably over two years, but I've listened to over 40, if oh. not more, you know? So like the, like the audio, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. It's just, I've just listened to so much. So I think um, people who continue to stay consistent with what they're doing, and create that, you know, accessible information and, and make it easy to digest. I I don't I don't know how the uh, like if we're gonna see that large influx that happened in 2020 though. I don't I don't know. It's um it's interesting. We're gonna see what happens in 24. I know I'm I've I've slowed down on pod, on listening to podcasts. There's some that are staple though. So I, I, I do, mm. uh, I don't know if I'm seeking for new ones, but I'm always listening to some of the staple ones that I know. Uh, but I'll skip a week or two. I mean, I'll skip a week. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. How about this? Uh, for our listeners, uh, do you skip a week of us? We're not offended. We're not offended. I just, just keep it real. Cause I mean, I just admitted that I skip a few. I skip a yeah. few. But it's real. Yeah, this is a random, random question of the day. A random question of the day. So since that was um, a, a a combo of creator of the week and kind of what I've learned, I actually wanted that to happen because I we have a lot to talk about, right? We have something that I'm actually really passionate about talking about, which is this solopreneur rise. Okay. Mm. Solopreneur rise. So we're going to state that the topic is solopreneur versus entrepreneur. But I want to go in the context of more of getting rid of the negative vibes 
of what we think of solopreneur. Because I know me coming up, I was about to say coming up in the ranks, I'm so military, Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. Me coming up, when you think of business, solopreneur gets a bad rap. Solopreneur isn't necessarily taken serious by quote unquote entrepreneurs, right? Um, which is which is so weird. It's like I, I really feel like it's uh it, from a sneakerhead standpoint, when you look at Jordans and then like Team Jordans, we don't necessarily take Team Jordans very serious, right? Whoever has Team Jordan, shout out to y'all, but sneakerheads don't necessarily take Team Jordan sneakers. Uh, serious right so I think I almost think of it in that same context but there has been a serious rise on it so I'm going to play a video where you you listen to just some numbers just 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 listen to some numbers of one person named Justin Welsh my business does about 1.7 million in revenue per year, and uh, I have a team of one. It's just me. Can you break down the 1.7 million, like where that comes in from? 1.3 million in courses. I'll do about 144 to 150,000 in coaching, 108 to 120 in sponsorships, about 100 to 103 in subscriptions, and then around 24 to 30K in affiliates. And the course that you have that's the majority of the revenue, what is the course? A two-hour course on how to use LinkedIn effectively. And so I just basically walk people through like, how do I think about building a following that matters? Not like, yay, I got clicks and likes and virality because I shared a fun story or a sentimental story of like, how do you build a business on the platform? And that's my major course. Now, those are some serious numbers, serious, serious numbers. And when we're when we're talking about solopreneur, another video pops up. I'm just setting this up for the, for the scene. You know what I mean? I'm setting this up for the conversation. But another video pops up that makes me think as well. Go into like why you've preferred quality of life and like what you optimize yeah. for. There's this whole battle between like, should you be a solopreneur or should you like mm-hmm. go full scale, hire a team, like grow a business? For me, it's like, I don't like to manage people. Mm-hmm. I think people are awesome, but like, there's not enough talk about the negative side of having a team. Not that having a team is inherently bad. I mean, you can do infinitely more with a team than you could by yourself. But the negative side of that and the consequences of it aren't talked about that often. It's always like just hating on solopreneurs. It's like, yeah, well, there's negatives to to doing to growing at all costs oh, and yeah. that sort of thing too. So it's like, it's an ego make, thing. Yeah. So if like if I'm making enough money and I don't have to work a ton, I'm doing what I love and my stress level is at a at a rate that I can handle. Why, like, why embark on scaling and growing and dealing with all the pains of that? And like, I'm fine. So. Hearing that got me like, I'm going to need to consider some things lately. 2024 is here. Um, This is sounding amazing. Not necessarily just from the money wise, but what he said as far as the negative side doesn't necessarily get talked a lot about. Um, And I'll I'll jump into my experience with that later. But um, Moose, off of, those two clips alone, um, what is your take? What has been 
like your experience with understanding what solopreneur is and then your take on those videos? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting that the solopreneur is gaining more, let's call it attention and acceptance overall today than when it was most pressing, right? Because I think the start of every entrepreneur's journey really is solopreneurship, not entrepreneurship, because you're forced due to lack of resources, in many cases, even lack of experience, you're forced to have to find a way to make it work. And the beauty of that approach is you get to know the ins and outs of everything or a good majority of everything. Now, do you do it at a really high level or do you do everything at a really high level? Usually not the case. And that's where team becomes a part of the conversation for scale. So in a lot of ways, that has been exactly my experience, right? I entered one man shop, solopreneur, did everything, everything from HR to sales and marketing and this, 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 and this, and this. And then you realize that, okay, good, even great to some capacity. But if I really want to get to the next level, I think this is the way. Now, I think the question I have for you, which I'm curious is, why do you think that is solopreneur is now becoming, is coming back on the table and surprisingly, it's coming back on the table with scale. Like mm. if, if the transition to entrepreneurship, team building and everything was the reason for scale, it was, it was the primary reason for scale. In the past, now you're seeing solopreneurs similar to what really Justin Welsh and the, the, the second video there also share, like you know, we're making the money. So it's not like, you know, you're, you're short on finances either. So the scale is available in solopreneurship, but yeah, what's, what's your take on it overall? So I think before, I, I'll say it this way. The understanding of automations is probably why this is now starting to be a real conversation and looked at as a little bit more serious uh, than before, right? Because we, if we're hearing numbers of a man making... 1.7 mil a year and he's only one person and there's people who are entrepreneurs and they have a team and they have not reached that you got to look at it like mm? now of course you know we're getting into my topic of you know with the rise of ai you can duplicate yourself the whole thing about entrepreneur and having a team is to duplicate yourself so you can have time well, with AI, you can have some time, right? It cuts down a lot of things or kind of pretty much removes a whole day for you, depending on how good you are with automations. Um, and the thing with solopreneurs is, is not saying you don't work with anybody. Like you still work with contractors. You still have kind of a, a, a group of people you can have to to work on your stuff from project to project it just means that is not necessarily payroll it's not necessarily you are responsible you are still able to do whatever you need to do um so i think that's why 
people are taking it a little bit more serious. Of course, we're a little bit more documented now. So numbers are coming out and being a little bit more transparent than before, where you think of a, a solopreneur uh, before and it's more you see them always working. You see them uh, with, with nobody, not making so much money, and they're always earning what they make and is never necessarily passive, right? I got a very interesting clip for you that I think you may like, right? Yeah. That breaks down the framework because uh, I've been really big on Justin Welsh, right? Big on him. Just really paying attention to his movements. And he has a whole framework of how you can live this solopreneur life. So uh, I, I'm excited about to hear what you have to say about this. I like to always recommend to people, they offer a service business. What's something that you can do using your skill where you're trading your time for money and you're making a nice hourly rate or project rate? Right? Once you do that and you really niche down in your service business, you can raise your rates. When you raise your rates, you have two options. Work more and make more money or work less and make the same money because you've raised your rates. What I recommend is work less, make the same money, and take all that newfound time to figure out how to build a digital product for all the people that fall outside of your ideal customer profile. The next natural thing for you might be, and again, it doesn't have to be, launching a newsletter. If you can do that, you now have a new revenue stream, sponsorships, right? Then as you start to think about your product business, what are some very narrow things that you can create that will help people inside of your product business? I also have a very narrow product called the monthly templates, which are five simple social media templates you can use every month to grow your following. I add those onto the course as a one-click upsell. They cost $9 a month. I have 3,000 subscribers. It's a $27,000 a month business where I send one email. So now you've got a service business, a product business, sponsorships, subscription email. I could go on forever in ways that you can monetize under the same umbrella. What do you think? Masterful. Yeah, masterful. I mean, you know, it's funny because I was taking some notes on what you were sharing with automation and AI and, and like you said there. And of course, one of the key factors to really point out is that this is really most doable in the digital space, right? For people who have a physical business, brick and mortar, or anything really outside of the digital landscape, solopreneurship is really where you can put yourself in a bad position and it can be you know, difficult to do there. But that is a very legitimate way what you know, Justin Welch just explained there. That is a very legitimate way to create multiple streams off of essentially the same centralized ecosystem or user base that is already in your place. And the one thing that I want people listening to this to really take note on, notice he didn't say a $900 program or a $900 or a $9,000 upsell. It was a $9 upsell. And when you look at the multiplier effect of that on a monthly basis, over time, you're talking close to 300 grand, if not more. Now, a year, right, with something very small, almost like a set it and forget it type experience. So that breakdown should really help a lot of us to see 
that you don't always have to swing for the fences to connect your ecosystem and really make it make it make sense or be super profitable for you. You can actually do a lot of simple, tangible ways or tangible adjustments, I should say, that will help people and also be very lucrative for you financially. Now, again, he has the advantage of having the audience, but that's why we talk about content, branding, a lot of these elements, you know, through the podcast, because that is everyone's path to getting an audience. You're not going to get an audience just because, right? Content is the path to getting an audience in. That essentially is what, what I think he broke down so well. Yeah, there, there's a part in there that is so genius that I want to try to apply um, when he was talking about the subscription base, right? Where he has his course, right? He has his digital product. And he, he has actually two now. The one that we heard earlier, which was the LinkedIn one, and then he has like a content operator one. Now... When they buy that, his courses are only $150, right? Just understanding oh, wow. the, the, yeah, his whole thought process. He's making process, 1.3 on a $150 course. That's impeccable. That's crazy. That's what I'm wow. saying. So wow. his, his whole, one, I do believe he understands where the landscape of courses are right now. But two, his whole thing is from, he, he, he goes more from a long-term range. He always wants people to be like, yo, this is a this is a thousand dollar course. This is a five thousand dollar course. And always feel like he overdelivers. So there's never a doubt that when he drops something else, that is going to like overdeliver on that product too. So yeah. it's it's really dope to see, but that he understands that, okay, look, you've clearly come here to grow your social media, if you pay only 10 bucks a month, I'm gonna just give you these five templates that I do every month to help you grow. Put that in the email, boom. And they buy it because they're already there. He sends one email, mm -hmm. it goes it goes crazy. And when I think about, you know, subscriptions, you know, I instantly think the complex ones, the ones that start at $40, $50, Right. And higher where you're breaking it down to like how many videos are you giving the person? How often are you showing up? Is there calls? Is all these different things? Of course, you know, that's what I've been kind of groomed into understanding the subscription base when literally it's just what else can you slowly add, put a small price point. It's extremely valuable and it doesn't take you so much time. So all the things that he was saying in there. Besides the service-based part was, uh, you know what? It does, this doesn't take so much time for me. This does not take so yeah. much time. And uh, what was crazy, he, when, he was, when he was talking about the, what was it? The, um, the service-based one. He was like, yo, you're going to get to a point where you either raise your prices, right? Or... Uh, and and you do more work or you do less work and you make the same amount, I say do that. And so you can then turn uh, your information into a digital product for those people yeah. who don't meet your ideal 
uh, client yeah. status. And I was like, it's good. Yep. Because you yeah. always think you got to yeah. raise prices at a certain point. Absolutely. No, you're always going for more. You know, I, I think we uh, I, in entrepreneurship, you're taught or for some reason, naturally, you think that the only way to get more is by offering more, higher, like we don't always take the most efficient route into doing it. You know, a couple of weeks ago when I said, hey, one of my favorite terms in business is MRR, and I was referring to monthly reoccurring revenue, you know, you, you gotta imagine that what he's saying here, which is very similar to subscriptions, right? Or, or what he talked about with the $9 for five templates, you got 3000 people on there. The cool thing is you're never pressed or you don't feel the same type of pressure as, as another entrepreneur who has to start at zero every single month. You know, like think of the peace of mind that comes with starting at positive $27,000 a month because of your subscription model versus you could have crushed it last month. And yeah, you, you feel good, like you're not hungry for money, but your books start back at zero on the first of the month. So I think that's one of those things also that I gotta imagine for people who don't perform well under pressure, building something similar to the ecosystem that was just described here is actually one of your, should be one of your most important action items because of the, lu the luxury to not have to start at zero every month. So yeah, it's a major. I mean, that's like, that's, that's so good. Yeah. Well, I, I, I had that, that framework was really good just because, um, what I, what I wanted to do was have the conversation and this is not the question of the week, but you know how we do, if it ends up longer, cool. But from, from seeing the, the landscape of solopreneurship, entrepreneurship, where do you stand as a whole um, and why? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I got to admit, I am definitely a team guy. You know, um, a lot of, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a team guy. It has a lot to do with, uh, of course, my sports background and just growing up doing things by myself. I also get a personal satisfaction of doing something with someone. So... I can tolerate compromise, uh, you know, working with others very well. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that because of the opportunity to do something that I possibly could have not even thought of, right? Like there's a lot of things that I'm involved in and I always feel that the beauty of working in a team, especially when you have your team set up in the appropriate fashion, there are ideas that come to the table where you're like, I did not think about that. Like I right. would have never imagined we would end up at this destination, but it's, it's the contributions that come from people who have different walks of life, different experiences, different ways of just seeing the world and what they're listening to. And when a healthy dynamic is at play, those are the things that I really enjoy the most. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a big ego person, so it's not like I need to be right every time or I need it done my way exactly the way I want every single time. So for me, team is is my ideal spot. Like that's that's where I thrive and I, I my bread and butter in a sense. Now, what is your response to what uh, the first? Well, the second guy 
um, said as far as the negative side of the team situation? Yeah. Now, now that's the part that I think is, I don't want to say misconstrued in a sense, but there are a lot of bad practices that are often overlooked in a team dynamic. And I was just listening to Diary of CEO again this morning, and I'm in one of the deeper chapters where he talks about a lot of the reason or one of the main reason why those things exist or they happen. And it's not just in team. I'm, I'm, I'm dragging it into the team factor because it's essentially the same thing. It's the discomfort or the, the discomfort that people feel with having an uncomfortable conversation. That, that's what creates really unhealthy column communication rituals or just un, things that should not be happening in the workplace or within the team dynamic. When someone becomes uncomfortable with having those dialogues and they let that build up take, take place, then what you should gain from having a team dynamic doesn't exist. So, or, or it, it essentially, you know, it erases itself. It eliminates what, what the benefit is. So I get it. Like, I understand that there's a, it's very difficult to have different personalities and different wants and different needs, but I'm, I'm big on intentionally crafting a team and a culture that is designed to, to mesh well together, to have empathy and, and a, and, and is willing to make some sacrifices and deposits depending on the season really, so that the whole can stay together over time. That's, um, that's my thing. I can't neglect the fact that challenges are gonna happen, that you know, there's gonna be fights and arguments and all that, that's absolutely true. But to say it's not worth the headache, I don't, I don't think so. I think that you might need to make replacements rather quickly. I think you might need to have tough conversations also also early and quickly and and not just skip over or skim over some of the the necessary things that usually create that separation or make it difficult for people to function on a team but to eliminate it completely uh, i i you know i'm i'm not i'm not a fan of that's fair that's fair um yeah. for me so first off I love I love the team that I have now. Okay, so hey. this is not this is not um, saying okay now I'm getting rid of them, right? Uh, however, comma this is what I'll say. However, comma so there is deeper than the brand, and then there's Nikki, right? Mm. Um, I do believe that Nikki pours into uh, deeper than the brand and just works side by side with it and. So that's perfectly fine. But I, I do, there's something that he said in that interview that really hit home where his concentration is life and then work, right? Um, there is a, I would say an underlying culture when it comes to entrepreneurship where it almost feels as if it's always work and then you're trying to figure out work-life balance, right? Um, that's always been one of the biggest things. It's like work-life balance, uh, burnout. You, you hear that very common in, in entrepreneurship. Not saying that it doesn't happen in solopreneurship, but 
in with with the solopreneurship, it is it gives the vibes of you can control what happens. And what I what I love about entrepreneurship because you are thinking of others, right? Yeah. You're providing jobs, you're providing legacy, you're providing all these different things. Absolutely. Some people are just happy in their little mini world. And their little mini world is very successful. I, I look at it from start solo to then duplicate. So meaning... Go, go the solo route, make the money to then invest in other things that is going to create the legacy, right? Whether it mm. is a SaaS product, whether it is going just strictly real estate and those types of investments and things like that. So that, yeah. uh, you know, that's still coming in and it j things just doesn't die with you. So, but I do believe that it could be an interesting ride and, and not being so feeling as if you are less than being a solopreneur. If you play your cards right and you have the right systems and you go, uh, you know, understanding the products that you have and then creating the content that goes along with the products. If, if, if we're paying attention to how the solopreneurship model is right now, from a because it seems as if the ones that are killing it are the ones that are content heavy. So mm -hmm. you hear of Dan Coe, who I'm extremely loving his book. And if you listen to his audio book, you feel smarter. I'm just letting you know we're going to do a breakdown. Uh, hopefully next week or the following week. Okay. And I'm trying to really absorb. I feel really smart. He makes me feel smart. Mm. But. <laughs> neither here nor there i feel like i could focus after a while but um you see people like dan co you see people like justin welsh and justin welsh is is uh dope in linkedin that's how he's gained majority of his his uh following he just concentrated on one medium which proves that you don't have to be all over the place but yeah when when we're paying attention to that type of model, which is why I'm kind of intrigued by it, is that they have a product and they make everything else make sense after the product. So if he has his LinkedIn, how to you know grow social media type product, then his newsletter is about that same thing. His content that he writes about is going to be about that same thing. So the messaging is very clear and people know exactly why they're going to him and for what it is and what is going to be the transformation where some of us are creating content just to create content. Then they figure we have to do a newsletter. I got to do a newsletter. What the hell am I going to be talking about in this newsletter? Okay, eventually this product is going to happen. So I'll create the product. But now I have to create content around the product. But I have all this other content that I've already. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And so when you, when you kind of look at that structure of product, newsletter, content, and, and and getting the source of all the information from the product, it it hits different. You know what I mean, it right. just is a it's 
it makes things just a little bit more streamlined, not only for yourself as far as systems wise, but as well as for your audience of, of messaging and clarity. So I say all that, I said a long answer to say hmm. that I think in, in 2024, I'm going to really be concentrating on kind of both models. Um, hmm. Solo to, for Nick's. Yeah, I, I, I think really, really concentrating on that, but bringing the solo part, the traffic to deeper than the brand. Um, and, and how does that all kind of work? But it's 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 a very interesting model that I feel that I'll have a lot of control with um, and not having to deal with two different teams. I think I only have the energy yeah. for one. I've gone oh, through sure. a lot with that sure. one. So <laughs> I got I, I got I probably got like a few more tries before I go solo, solo. Um, wow. But. I think I have energy for one. I will keep that energy for for them and be very present for that. But this is this I'm I'm doing a lot of studying on these different models. I, I love I forgot his name. I gotta get his name. I'll we'll put it in the show notes and and the description with, with the second guy who talked because that's the one who productized himself, right? Uh -huh. So yeah, what he did was he's a graphic designer and he has specific. Uh, packages that he he has like templates and everything like that and that's his thing right yeah. and he's made over a million dollars in this by productizing himself not working project to project this, this is a subscription base this is what you get cool I'm like yeah I need hmm. to I need to system me out we need <laughs> hear me what I, what I like about your kind of model like you said there is so like for example i think one of the drawbacks in so with with being a solopreneur is the challenge of fulfilling customer support mm -hmm. right just just that component so I, I like i like the balance approach that you're taking because even if that issue were to arise you have a method for doing it now i know of course some people do like faqs and they keep it pretty much self-sustained even in the customer support department it's pretty seamless overall but uh just to create that experience i think that might be one of the benefits but i'm curious from your take what do you think is one of the biggest drawbacks of solopreneurship or just for the solopreneur model in general um what i, I believe one of the drawbacks uh one loneliness <laughs> hands down solo <laughs> you feel me yeah yeah, it's, it's um, there. yeah but this is why it's important to kind of have a soundboard like people that your your team of advisors still you know mm. even as a solopreneur you just have that kind of that board of board of uh advisors to go to bounce certain things this is where community is very heavy uh but loneliness of course is is one of those things um, depending on the season that you're in and if you don't have your automations and, and kind of planning done right, you, an immature solopreneur could possibly still be in that hamster wheel of always working to get what they, mm -hmm. what they have. Right. So that's where instead of like a here, I'm out for a few days, y'all hold it down. Right. You don't necessarily have that if you are not 
uh, if you're not a planning, if you're not planning this correctly. So that's, I, I believe those two are some of yeah. the, the biggest drawbacks. And then of course, like if you are a person that's like, um, you know, you want to provide opportunities, it's, it's not as like, yo, I got my job from there. Even though, like I said, you would contract people out. Like w when you say the customer service thing, that's, that's a con contract service. That's a service provider. Right. You feel right, me? Right, so right, right. like that could yeah. that could happen in any moment. An assistant happening that's a service provider. So it you you look at things like that and it could happen, but you gotta um there's there's drawbacks to each to, to both of them. I don't think one beats the other. I think it's just a yeah. a, a preference. No, hundred percent. Yeah. A preference and like having an honest conversation with yourself about mm -hmm. if you're someone who is often procrastinating or, um, you know, you are not necessarily self-reliant, like you can't do things on your own. I don't know that solo, solo is the way for you. Like solo may not be the best thing. Like those are some, some things that you might need to address before jumping into the solo boat, uh, keep, keep, keep in the team boat. I mean, heck, even in a team boat, those things are not good. <laughs> they're not good traits to take into the team boat, but heck, at least you have some help in the team boat. And of course I, I know, I like, I get what you're saying. It's about having contractors to support you and all that. But yeah. you know, uh, I definitely, I think part of that equation is like being honest with yourself. Like, Hey, where can I really see myself thriving the most? And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a service person. That's why I think, and service by me, like I enjoy the idea of collectively serving together and that whole thing. So that's why team is my thing. But that honest conversation that all of us should have, I think is a, is an important part. Either way, I'm, I'm, I'm exploring. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm I exploring. Yeah, but, so r real quick was, was interesting is, um, the, the definitions of these preneur situations. So, yeah. uh, before, before the, the episode started, we were trying to figure out the topic and things like that. And my understanding, cause it, what originally was supposed to be was like an entrepreneur versus an entrepreneur. Right. 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 And my understanding of an entrepreneur was creating within like, but I thought it was like creating your own while you were, under the company not creating uh, for the company right yes. and only for the company um yes. <laughs> I, I was and that's that's why I, I switched very quickly right but I, I love that there's so many different preneur situations to give you options so um I, I don't have necessarily a clip and we may talk about it in the after show where if if you don't because there's some people, and it is perfectly fine. Let me state this: I don't believe everybody should be uh, a solo, uh, a solopreneur, an entrepreneur. It's not for everybody. I don't necessarily care what anybody says. I do believe ownership is for everybody, and ownership could literally be stocks for some people. Yep. Like ownership would be a house. Like it don't have to necessarily be of any type of work status and career status but 
the entrepreneur one was was very interesting, but I think I have too much trauma to talk about it. Where <laughs> you are, if you if you don't want to do the entrepreneurship or the solopreneurship way, where pretty much everything falls on you, you have to have your own resources, you have to do your own thing. This is where with inside of your nine to five, you are using their resources and building it up. And you are pretty much kind of like a partner inside of what you are creating. Like they know that Mm -hmm. you're doing it for them. They give you kind of free range. They give you all these different things. And you're able to build up your skills in that kind of way while still having that owner vibe. Um, I thought that was very interesting once I've, figured out exactly what it was, but I didn't have uh, 40 minutes of talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I feel you. No, it's it's definitely a very team culture or company strategy and approach to running, you know, departments and operations. But, um, oh, dang, I lost my train of thought. I had something to tell you about that. Shoot. I don't know what I was going to say about it. I literally just slipped my mind, but... Um, I'm sure it'll come back to me in a second. Hey, um, yeah. if not, we have the after show. Hey. We have the after show. Um, yeah. I mean, let's, let's, we can still do the question. We can still do the question. We, we at the hour mark. We at the hour mark. Uh, hey. But we, we, we can still do the question of the week. So, of course... Uh, this segment is sponsored by flightassessment.com. Uh, discover your personal superpower and learn how to use your superpower to become a master cre- communicator, strengthen all your relationships, and develop the self-awareness you need to fulfill your highest potential. Flightassessment.com. Uh, here is... This, th- this is so me. This is such a me question, okay? Yeah, okay. Rapid decision versus group consensus are quicker decision-making processes in solopreneurship or just entrepreneurship preferred to the potentially richer outcomes of a group consensus in entrepreneurship. Hey, this is, this, this is, this, we, and we've had this conversation, uh, you know, at least over the last two weeks where I said, I like the idea of letting everyone know about what's going on and, and this idea of group. Mm-hmm. But we all have to be mindful of the fact that when too many hands enter the pot, mm-hmm. there there's tr- traffic. Traffic begins to happen. Yeah. Right? Like you're going to run into each other with a burning hot pot in the kitchen if there's five of you when the kitchen can only hold two or whatever the case may be. So I'm, I'm very mindful of that. Um, but you know, I, I have to say, I think it's going to depend on the type of problem because there are some situations that are just too complex mm-hmm. that require different perspectives, especially if the perspectives that you're bringing in are not just opinionated, you know, uh, feedback or someone just giving you their opinion about what you should do, but they're bringing in experience and data, mm-hmm. you know, maybe unique to their, let's call it department or to 
uh, something that is required, like a necessary necessary ingredient or element for what we're trying to do. Okay, give me some experience and some data based on that so that we can consider all of these things before making our move. Yeah. So that that is where I really favor group decision-making and doing some root cause analysis around what was the cause of it? Are, are we thinking about that? You know, again, I keep going back to Diary of CEO, but you know, he said Such that a, a lot book. of people answered the, it's, yeah, it's so good, I, I really love it. Um, you know, he said a lot of people answer the question why they will succeed, but they never answer the question why they will fail. And if you spend some time thinking about why you will fail, sometimes you can eliminate your attempt at trying to do something altogether because sometimes it's not worth it. You know, he talked about the one in the launch of podcast network and his decision not to do that yeah. and keeping the resources focused on the main thing, you know, accelerated their growth by like a crazy multiple. So I, I think that's where group consensus or group decision-making makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, I'm torn. I'm torn yeah. with this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm torn with this one because uh I'm so I'm so for the people and I've the the way my immature self because I'm such an extremist, right? I will not listen to you or I will listen to all of you. Right? Huh. So there was a time where I wasn't listening to anybody. This is, these are the ideas. This is what we're rocking with. This is where we go. Yeah. Go. Right. Yeah. Um, and then when I had honest conversations of like, yo, I didn't feel heard. Right. I said, that's valid. So now I go, everybody, we're talking about it with everybody. Right. Bring it in. Come yeah. on. Talk about it. And, and then you hear, because of course you're dealing with different personalities and then there's some that you're hoping would give feedback who won't. There's some who you wish didn't give feedback and they do. <laughs> but they you do. Know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh my God. And then you had it in your mind what the answer and what the thought process was going to be. And then it didn't end up that way. Then you question yourself of like, if everybody's saying no, should we do it? It's a lot. So um, I'm very torn, but I, I do believe that when it comes to decision-making, I think I'm going to go with the rapid one after the conversation is made. So Agreed. meaning you could talk about, let's say the idea, right? Yeah. And, and get the feedback that you may need, but the, but the decision-making must be quick and final. Yeah. So, yeah. so people, it, it goes into a balance of people are heard. Um, and, and this is where you're, you're going a little bit more on the radically open-minded side of like going into a situation, not only thinking that you are right, and only your idea is good. So you you hear that, but the final say, the final decision, and that whole nine is still going to be you because, like I said, it's it bit me in the behind listening to everybody. It's it, right. it really has a twenty 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 three was a 
interesting lesson of where I fell back and I listened. And I could clearly see that I was listening too much. And no, you so, hit it on the head. Yeah. You hit it on the head. You know, group thought or maybe group ideas, final decision, mm-hmm. maybe on the solo. Yeah. I, I think I think that's the move. Listen, people, uh, this was really dope just because this was our first time uh, streaming in Patreon, right? Uh, For those who didn't know, we normally do lives on YouTube. Uh, And what happened is we're like, you know what? We're going to actually do live episodes inside instead of the the YouTubes. We're going to do live behind the scenes episodes for our Patreon. So they're pretty much see when you hear and see this, they already heard it a week ago, pretty much. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to explore this a little bit. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in the after show because of how it started. So I'm very interested, which that's also in Patreon. So if you're not part of our Patreon, patreon.com slash Nikki and Moose. It's a vibe over there. Uh, we got all the after shows, video, audio. Now we have behind the scenes, uh, raw and uncut episodes. It's a, it's a situation. It's a situation. It's a situation. Uh, of course, Flightassessment.com. Do you have anything else coming up? Do y'all got boot camps? Y'all got what do you, what y'all got? What you got? Um, we have a uh, a certification that is scheduled for the last weekend in February. Okay. Uh, yeah, February twenty fifth, I believe, is the day for that. So that is up and live at extremeexecution.com. Okay, I like that, and uh, mm-hmm. I I officially announced the. Uh, Mastermind, the Puerto Rico Mastermind, May 17th and 18th, 19th, if you're uh, an elite. You know what I mean? Uh, but you have to be part of Deeper Than The Brand uh, to get all that information and apply. So, uh, deeperthanthebrand.com. Uh, go find that out. You literally can get in for $37 if you find the right if you find the right wow. one, I'm just saying, if you find the right one, I ain't going to tell you which one. But if you find the right one, you get that. I suggest the AI toolkit, but that's just me. And then, of course, uh, follow us everywhere. Nikki and Moose. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, Moose. Final words. Yeah, I looked up this quote since we were talking about solopreneurship and to a large extent, solopreneurship is about relying on yourself. Um, This one said, if you truly want to be respected by people you love, you must prove to them that you can survive without them. I don't don't know how y'all feel about that, but uh, maybe maybe it's time to prove to some people that you can survive without them.